This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Brenda Riney. Well, Brenda, thank you for taking us on your career journey. Oh, well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, before we find out what you're doing today, if you would, could you tell us what you wanted to be when you grew up? When I was a little kid, all I knew was engineers. My dad was an engineer, not on a train. But for AT and T, my my brothers were engineers. My sister, older sister, was an engineer. I thought that was the only option. I wasn't smart enough to know that there are a zillion different options out there. So I wanted to be an engineer by default. That's amazing. I've never heard anyone say that, and that's amazing that that was all <laughs> you were exposed to. At least it was a, an interesting, well-paying, cool job. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, and. When I was at college, I met all these people that weren't in engineering. And I was like, oh, there are other things really to do out there. But as an 18-year-old, I didn't know better. And that was, you know, before the Internet. So I didn't have a good way to kind of, you know, make myself aware. So what was your first job as a kid? Like one that you got paid, you had responsibilities, and you wanted to do a good job? Actually, it was my one of my good friends. Her father was an architect and a contractor. So he was focused on building churches and facilities. So he would design them and build them, and he hired us kids to paint. So he wouldn't have to pay, I guess, union wages. <laughs> and, you know, as 16-year-olds, we would go in and paint, and no one else could read a blueprint. And I had a bunch of engineering drawing classes when I was in high school. So I'm like, I can read a blueprint because, you know, this wall needed to be this color, and this room was this color. <laughs> So I ended up being kind of the painting for per, foreman person to direct everyone, and and I th- I was making probably double minimum wage, so I thought I was rich. That's a fantastic first job. I mean, it worked out. Sounds like it worked out best for all involved. <laughs> yeah, it it was great. In fact, it was a bunch of my friends that I was working with, so we would, you know, have paint fights too. So we made it fun, <laughs> and it was construction zone you know they're going to carpet overwards afterwards so right. you know right. we, we could be messy so knowing that you wanted to be an engineer when you grew up because it sounds like that's all you really knew or were exposed to did you have a favorite subject or hobby in school and did it align with that or was it something in like the opposite direction like you wanted to be a you know a musician i have no musical talent like my <laughs> mom who was a concert violinist and, oh. you know, was in symphonies and stuff. So that skips a generation, I think, at least in my case. <laughs> I really liked math and science, and those were really easy for me. You know, I, I barely had to be involved, and, you know, I'd get straight A's in math and science. Some of the other classes that were tougher, like creative writing. So that was really aligned with my engineering degree that I got. That worked out very well. Well, we understand what you wanted to be when you grew up. Well, tell us, what do you do today? And if you would, walk us through how you got there, including any education you had along the way or changes within your own career path. Well, after I had an engineering degree, an industrial engineering degree from the University of Missouri, I worked at Boeing Aerospace and was like a computer programmer, manufacturing systems, you know, where the engineers design it and the manufacturing people can't 
make it, so I would negotiate <laughs> how those all got worked out so the planes would still fly. That's a very important job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. And uh, we worked on the fighter jets, too, like the F-15s, F-18s, and, and thus far. So then I realized I didn't really want to be a programmer and sit in a room. I really needed to deal with people. I loved interacting with people. And so I looked at some like technical sales type roles and I got my MBA and realized I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But I realized after I got my engineering degree, I thought I knew a lot. After I got my MBA, I realized I didn't know anything. <laughs> so, and, and it, it was really hard. They'd say, here, some information about a company, how do you increase their stock price? And it, it was a lot harder than just plugging in a formula and you know, getting 100% on a math test. Mm -hmm. We had to think more, and I loved that part of it. But I ended up managing a lot of programs, projects, people when I was at Boeing Aerospace, and, and I was getting my MBA at night. And I realized that I, I, need, I liked the part where I'm working with a lot of people, but I still didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I went to work in the consulting area where then it was the big eight, but it's like the big four accounting management consulting companies. I actually worked at, yeah, Arthur Anderson and I worked from the consulting side. So it was Anderson Consulting and I didn't have anything to do with the Enron scandal. Those were the <laughs> auditors. Um, and so I worked on the consulting side. We'd go in and help companies be more profitable. And it usually was What's the company need to do to improve its financials and make more money and make their shareholders more money? And what systems do they need to support it? And I would work on both of those sides. And I did that for five years. All my clients were out of town. So I traveled for five years in a row, five days a week, 50 weeks a year. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I mean, I worked in LA, San Diego, Chicago. Dallas, and I was based in St. Louis, so I flew out every either Sunday night or Monday morning and came back Friday night, and that wasn't a lifestyle I really wanted to sustain. It was great. They threw you into all these different, I want to say, businesses that I knew nothing about, so I love coming up through a learning curve real quickly and learning about the business, figuring out what they need to do. And then helping them from a system side support it to get to where they need to be. And I loved that, but I thought there's, and I was married during that whole time. And I was like, I don't want to have kids and have a family and have a mom be gone 70% of the week. So I ended up um, switching. And my last client was Anheuser-Busch. They, they're in Bev now, but they are known for Budweiser and Michelob beers, and they've got like 80 other brands. So I was helping them with their operations area. After the beer's brewed, they package it and ship it to distributors. So I was doing an executive information system for them to be able to manage that process. And that was my consulting role. And I told them, okay, after this project, I'm done. And then Anheuser-Busch said, oh, now that you've quit Price Waterhouse, we can hire you because while you work for them, we can't hire their people and they can't hire our people, but now you quit. So I ended up staying with Anheuser-Busch, and I worked for them for 10 years. Wow. And I, after about a year, I moved to sales and worked with all their syndicated data and helped 
them really change their sales from good old boy, hey, here's some tickets to the Super Bowl and you know, <laughs> buy our beer to right. this is the information to help the buyers reach their goals and how we can help you do your business. So we kind of transformed their sales force. You know, I moved into several different cities, had a lot of different roles with them. Actually did field sales job. And um, where I was required to learn how to golf for my job because I had to golf <laughs> once or twice, you know, or several times a month. And my boss told me, and I'm like, am I doing everything up to par? Am I doing everything? Am I meeting all, you know, my metrics and my goals? And he's like, you need golf lessons. So that was <laughs> interesting. I, after I picked my jaw up off the ground, I got golf lessons, and I was a good golfer anyway, but he's like, you get a golf usually once a week for your job because we sponsor so many tournaments and pro-ams and stuff. So we use, on scrambles and best balls, he's like, we use your ball half the time. You <laughs> so ought to get, get it golf <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, and you know, because we, we probably would use it more often. But anyway, so I was there, and then I managed some large accounts like Walmart, Sam's Club, and I moved to Bentonville. Well, I'm a native New Yorker, never thought I'd drive through Arkansas, nevertheless live here, <laughs> and I've been here 18 years. I've heard once you're there, you like it. It's a great place to raise the family. It's... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Northwest Arkansas is different than the rice fields and the Delta Triangle, and that works for folks. We need people doing you know, those jobs and those farming careers, too. Yeah, what's great about Northwest Arkansas, people are from all over the world because Walmart's international headquarters are here. And I worked with Budweiser here, but I they had regional buyers in the beer category at the time. So again, now I'm traveling four days a week mm -hmm. and you're out on this island that you're not even part of any group. We ran the Walmart Sands team and did revolutionary things for any consumer packaged goods company and what happened is I, I had my third daughter at that time and I'm like I don't want to travel four days a week again so and I never worked for a smaller company I'm more of an entrepreneur at heart and I thought I'm gonna to go to a smaller startup company so I went to another vendor that sells to Walmart and Sam's and I managed all their international accounts. And I was only supposed to be in China two weeks a year and it turned into two weeks a month. Wow. Um, and if the whole SARS thing didn't break out, I would have been there more because once <laughs> they found out I had an engineering background, they wanted me to do all their sourcing was in China and they wanted me to work more with the factories besides manage all their accounts. You know, the small company wear a lot of different hats. And I did that for a couple Christmas selling seasons and then decided, you know, I can't do this. It's another too much travel, too much out of town, and I'm a very involved mom, and I didn't want to do that. So I switched to another company that sold to Walmart and different categories, and I would go in, and my job was to really fix the team. So a lot of people, I mean, there's 20,000 companies that have offices in Bentonville to sell to mm -hmm. Walmart. I would go in, fix a team, whether it was two people or 20 people, or I've worked somewhere, there were 200 people on just the Walmart team. I'd go in, fix the team, whether it was sales issues or out of stocks or supply chain issues or marketing issues. I found myself coming in, fixing it, and then after six months or a year, they're like, okay, she fixed it. Why are we paying her so much? Let's get rid of her job. And mm. It was easy for me to find, and they usually, I had a great severance, 
you know, a couple months severance, and I'd find another job within a month, double dip for a while, and right. I would go on. And I always had other projects on the side on my own company, helping other companies sell to Walmart and market to Walmart shoppers. So I did that, and then all of a sudden I turned 50, and the job market changed. I mm. was interviewing for jobs that I did 20 years ago I could do in my sleep, but companies didn't want to hire people over 50. And mm -hmm. I never really believed age discrimination until I got there. So I thought, I need to do my own company. And this is the, the last company I was at. It was a shopper marketing agency. They really just kind of wanted me to turn around a couple of accounts. And they're like, you're too high paid for us. So I kind of moved on after they got rid of my position. And I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need to figure it out. I've got a couple kids in college. I... Uh, <laughs> have a kid in <laughs> right. high school. I need to figure this there. out. Yeah, yep. real quick. And I always wanted to be able to independently sustain my lifestyle. So what I did is I got a call from, by luck, I'd much rather be lucky than good. It's good to be both. <laughs> I got a call from a career coach at the entrepreneur stores. And they said, well, have you ever thought of having your own company? And I go, yeah, I've had several of my own companies. I don't like doing collections. I don't like doing certain things. And so well, if that wasn't the case, we have access to hundreds of business opportunities for entrepreneurs. Would you like to explore a few? So I did. And once they knew what was important to me, what my goals were from income, lifestyle, wealth, equity, they understood what was important. And then they also looked at my skill set and they, in my work style, and they filtered out of hundreds of opportunities the top few for me to explore. And I kind of learned the businesses from the consumer side, customer side, the owner's role, what do they do, what does the parent company supply to the owner, you know, whether it's training systems, processes, turnkey marketing, call centers, billing, whatever it was, I learned about it all, and I ended up buying a franchise of the entrepreneur's source. And there's 150 coaches in the U.S., and I help the – I change people's lives every day. I work with clients that want to be in business for themselves, but they don't – they may not have an idea on what they want to do. They can – all the businesses we work with, out of hundreds that we deal with, they all have great training. They're very easy to replicate, so people can come in and maybe know nothing about that business segment and never something to do with your house or something to do with your car, education, elder care, healthy vending, you know, sign manufacturing, whatever it is. The, the, the businesses basically train you on how to run the business. But, you know, after I learned about it, I thought this one really aligns with my goals. It's virtual. So one of my important criteria was, you know, I'm going to be tied to this area for a few more years until my daughter mm -hmm. graduate, youngest daughter graduates from high school. And so I want to be able to really live anywhere and work anywhere. So as long as I have a landline, or not a landline, a cell phone connection, who am I talking about? Cell phone <laughs> connection and Wi-Fi, I can work anywhere. I could be in the south of France. I could be in Miami. I could be in Alaska. I could be in China. I could work wherever I want. My clients don't care where I am, but now I help my clients find the right business opportunities to learn about to see if they really are cut out to be an entrepreneur. And in whatever, all the businesses I 
present to them, align with their goals, their skill sets, and where they want to be in life. They have to look down the road. The first year in your own business, you're not going to make a lot of money. You have to be able to sustain that because uh, you're you're starting with zero customers. You have have to get training. You have to learn the systems, the processes, and so you're not cashing a big check until the second year. All the businesses have different ramp up speeds. Some are faster than others, but the second year you're making just as much money in corporate America. Third year you're usually making a lot more. So right. the folks that yep. are sick of corporate America or really want to get to their life goals and their dreams, we help clients find the right business that gets them there. Because, again, any job or business just gets you from where you are to where you want to be in life, to have the lifestyle, the income you want, to be able to do the things that really are important. Because most people in the world don't want to live to work. They want to work to live. Right. So. They, whatever their passion is in life, we want to make sure we give them a business that works for them, that they can do what's really important in their life, whether it's travel more, spend more time with their family, read more books, cook, whatever they want to do, they can do because they basically have everything covered um, with their life. So I am an alternate career coach for the Entrepreneur Source, and I own my own franchise which I get to help people find the right businesses to be self-employed. Now, are all the businesses that you're presenting, are they all like franchise opportunities or are there some ground-up opportunities? How does that work exactly? All the businesses are very repeatable. I would say about 70% are franchises, but that's kind of a legal definition. They have to Mm -hmm. have a franchise disclosure document and earnings claims and stuff like that. A lot of our businesses may look a lot like franchises. Most of them do because they have great training. They already have a successful work plan. You just have to work it. They may have the turnkey marketing, driving customers to you, whether it's in the food industry, which we don't really have that many businesses there because that's low margins and Mm -hmm. a lot of work. So most of them like, yeah, I mean, the turnover in staff is 300% for years, so you're always oh. hiring and training. So um, a lot of our businesses can be home-based or small offices. Some of them are retail. Some of them are, I would say, 70% are franchises. All of them have a parent company, and they want to grow their brand. So whether they're a franchise or not, they'll sell you like a territory, or it may not be territory-specific. They'll want to sell you, you know, an, a unit, a business unit, where you know they, you know the owner gets support from the parent company, whether it's a franchisor or you know a non-franchise. When people think of franchises, they might think of McDonald's or right. Sonic or Chick-fil-A. Well, there are probably 5,000 franchises out there. We cut mm-hmm. it into 83 different business segments, and wow, we have the top couple of. And each, and depending on how I want to say great those big business segments are that people want to get into, because 95% of the clients we help go into a business would have never considered it before talking to us at the entrepreneur source, because one they didn't even know it was available, never heard of it before, and two, they may have heard of it and thought, oh. I don't want to own a cleaning company. No one wakes up saying, hey, Dad, I want to own a cleaning company. But once they realize that the owner's not emptying the office trash cans, 
They are hiring an inspiring team. They're out doing business development, networking, selling. The owner has a great opportunity, a great lifestyle. And if they're earning the income they want, all of a sudden they're passionate about a stupid cleaning company because it gets them everything they that they want in life. Yeah, I often thought about, hmm, if I had my own business, like one of the automated car washes or storage facility, because I'm like, all right, low employment, you know, so you don't have the people factor, yeah. not as much. You got high investment costs with the equipment and maybe the property, but let it run after that. <laughs> so those are the kind of things you're talking over, right? Exactly. So we want to know, do they want employees? Well, if they don't want employees, are they okay with contractors? Or do they just not want to manage anyone? And we've got businesses like that too. But you got to figure out what's important to them. What do they want to do? You know, what type of income they want to earn? What type of flexibility do they want? And flexibility that one of my clients was, I want to leave five minutes for lunch or, you know, early for lunch on Wednesdays. And my other client, flexibility meant, I want to get take two weeks off, work a week, take two weeks mm -hmm. off, work a week. So flexibility is <laughs> all over the board. Depends what's important and really where they are in their life and also what they can afford to invest in because it costs money to start up your own business. So after looking and helping so many clients across so many different businesses, is there one that piqued your interest that if you, well, you would go, hmm, that sounds interesting? Well, there's there's always ones out there that I find mm, that one would have been really aligned to get me where I want to be too because as new businesses come into our portfolio, you know, they I may not have heard of them before. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I would say I, I like helping people. So every client's different, and me specifically, I want something virtual. I like to help people. I would look at other semi-absentee opportunities that mm -hmm. can kind of run on their own, or I could hire one person to kind of do it, and... I can still cash the checks and grow it. And right. down the road, I can sell it and take the money and run or keep building it as big as I want. Right. No, that's great. That makes a lot of sense. Well, before we move on to our next question, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsors. Do you enjoy your job and find it fulfilling? Or do you spend more time wondering what if instead of what's next? If so, contact Career Spa. Career Spa has extensive programs and curriculum and understands the challenges faced by individuals in transition. They can teach these success practices to be mastered for an effective job search. Answer that what if question by contacting Career Spa and asking their experts what's next. Contact Career Spa at careerspa.net. Talent acquisition is key to building a successful organization. Talent Connections is a professional services firm that specializes in recruiting, including executive search, contract recruiting, talent acquisition consulting, and recruitment process outsourcing. Whether you are an individual or a Fortune 100 company, Talent Connections can connect you with success. Contact them at talentconnections.net. Welcome back. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org, or if you are an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by Career Cluster, and additional resources are under the resource tab. So we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was an engineer, because you didn't know any better, is what it sounds like. <laughs> and we learned what you do today. So with such an amazing and diverse career, what would you do differently looking back on it? Well, I would have definitely started my own business where I had a lot of support from a parent company much earlier. I would have owned my own island in Tahiti by now if I <laughs> started earlier. 
but I didn't start until I was 50 something. So, right. and it right. takes a little bit to ramp up. So I wish I would have started earlier. And for some reason, I thought I had to stay in corporate America because I got paid great money and mm-hmm. thought that that was my tenure. That's where I could write it out and have everything I want in life. But then I found you don't have control over your career as long as you work for someone else. So I wish I would have jumped out of corporate America much earlier than I did. Uh, I mean, everything happens for a reason. It just, the time, it just wasn't right. And Mm -hmm. I was unaware. So as a career coach, my job is to make people aware of the possibilities out there and help them get to their dreams faster. Now let's make the assumption someone in our audience wants to do what you do. So you can kind of define that as you want. A career coach... Uh, a business owner, uh, what advice would you give them? I would say I probably need to talk to them as soon as possible, one. <laughs> yep. Because not everyone's, you know, cut out to be an entrepreneur. A lot of people don't understand, you know, the I would say the cons to it. You know, you're not getting a paycheck usually. You know, like 95% of the time you don't get a paycheck until you earn it. Great to be in business for yourself but not by yourself, stranded mm. on an island having to do everything on your own because everything has a learning curve. And when you do everything independently on your own, it takes a lot of resources and a lot of time and it's harder to do. That's why 50% of independent businesses fail within two years. And franchising or businesses that are easily to repeat, 90 plus percent are still in business 10 years down the road. So success factors, I would say, If you want to talk, I can find out if it would work for you. And, you know, my clients need to be open to exploring opportunities they would have never had thought of before because it may be aligned with their goals and lifestyle. And that's why I want them to look at those businesses. So you never know until you learn about the possibilities. It's kind of if you're close-minded and don't want to learn about them, you could just stick your head in the sand and be in corporate America the rest of your life, and hopefully you'll still have a job next year. That's, so, the, that's the rub. Yep. Yeah, the whole idea is to, to learn about it. Because, I mean, to be honest, I would say probably 50% of my clients I'm working with will say, even though 75% of America says they want to work for themselves, 50% of my clients might say, mm, now's really not a good time. I am limited because of this, whether it's financial or I need to take care of my mom and I need total flexibility, whatever it is that they have going on in their life. When they say, I don't think I want to be an entrepreneur, it really means not right now. But mm-hmm. in things change in an instant. Uh, I have people that, you know, they're empty nesters. They started their own company after corporate America. They think everything's great. And then all of a sudden they're like, my life changed upside down in a minute. You know, one of my clients said her father passed away and she wanted to tell me what she inherited, which I thought was a little weird, but she Mm -hmm. goes, I inherited my 59-year-old Down syndrome brother. And Mm -hmm. now I need total flexibility. I don't have that with my own company that I'm doing now independently. I, I need to look for something else that can really help me have the lifestyle because uh, I'm not an empty nester anymore. So right. yeah. everyone's lives change. And just because someone says not right now, it just means mm, maybe tomorrow, maybe in a year, maybe in two years. 
Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. I think I mentioned to you I'm a huge car enthusiast. So could you tell us what was your first car? Well, the first car I drove was a Ford Fairmont. It was silver, two-door in St. Louis, Missouri with no air conditioning. (laughs) It was my parents' car. And they Uh wanted – they were mad that the AM radio came with it. They thought that was a distraction. So, uh, but my dad realized it costs more to have it removed, so he left it in. So we bought a new car, Ford Fairmont, stick shift, and the day I turned 16, I got my driver's license, and I asked to take the car out. My dad let me take the Ford Fairmont, not their Impala, that was an automatic. So the Ford Fairmont, I didn't know how to drive a stick shift, and my dad watched me stall it about 30 times in the driveway before I got out. <laughs> but I still made it out, learned how to drive a stick shift, which everyone probably needs to know. And um, that wasn't my favorite car, but um, I sweated uh, a lot of driving and cross-country with it. Well, now, do you have a dream car? Well, I would say anything convertible. I kind of like uh, the top down and, you know, being in the sun and or under starlights or whatever. It doesn't matter if it's cold. I'll have the, the top down and the heat blasting and the heat. <laughs> seat heaters on, or if it's hot, I'll have the AC blasting on me and I'll get a little bit of it. But uh, I would say I've had several Beamer convertibles and mm-hmm. I'm probably going to stick with them. Love them. <laughs> Those are great cars. Yeah. Well, one great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy a really cool company car based on your job. So this is where I get to have a little fun and put a little bit too much research into something that's trivial. <laughs> so I did get you a convertible. But I don't think you'll be super happy with it. So here's why. I went with your job, and the way I kind of defined your job is you're equipping people to kind of go anywhere with their career. Like the options are endless, and you help them figure it out and to achieve their goals. Does that sound pretty accurate? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so I tried to put this to a car. And the car I came up with, like I said before, it's a convertible, but it's a 1903 Winton. And the reason I picked out that car is that was the very first car to go across the country. It was able to go where no other car had gone before and to succeed in its goal to go across the entire country. It took 64 days. So it wasn't easy, but they did it. So that's the car. It's more of a, based on how I described your job, that's kind of how I picked out that car for you. It's a cool car, and it's in a museum. Uh, I have to find out. It actually might be in St. Louis, which would be really cool. I'll find out and let you know. Yeah, that that's fascinating, and that's Interesting. I'm glad you got the convertible right. (laughs) And I personally drive probably 35,000 miles a year. So I don't know if a 1904 car will get me there, but it sure would be a great joy ride. It'll it'll drive you to your car that you can then take (laughs) off. (laughs) Funny. Yeah. True. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and your company? Well, they can reach out to me on email, which is B as in... Brenda Riney at esourcecoach.com or my website is www.esourcecoach.com forward slash B Riney. So they can reach me either way or they could call me 479-381-4062 and I can see if I can help them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today, Brenda. All right. My pleasure. Thank you for asking. 
Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.